What Makes a Great Leader? In the podcast series, 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, I explore this topic with Richard Lummis. We take a look at examples from history, from business, from current events, and even from the movies. If you're interested in all in business leadership, whether you're a CEO or whether you're a middle manager, this is the podcast series for you. We take a look at presidents and everyone in between. I hope you will check us out. 12 o'clock high. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. In this podcast, Matt and I take a deep dive into the recently released SEC enforcement action involving PwC and its partner, Brandon Sprinkle. Uh, the SEC fined them both for violating auditor independence due to the actions of partner Sprinkle in attempting to garner work from a client that was uh, non-audit related as he was the audit partner. There's a clear prohibition against this. The audit partner, Mr. Sprankle, engaged in outright deceitful conduct both with the client and with the internal review board at PwC to determine these conflicts. Matt takes a look at it from the GRC independent auditor angle. I take a look at it from the business ethics or failure of business ethics angle. I know you will enjoy this podcast. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist and the Voice of Compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another edition of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to take a look at a spanking given by the Securities and Exchange Commission on PW, to PwC and one of their putative partners, one Brandon Sprankle, a partner in PwC San Jose offices. So, Matt, uh, first of all, welcome. Hello, Tom. Always good to be here. So, Matt, you wrote a blog post on this saga. What was it that uh, caught your eye and caught your interest? Yeah, well, so what happened at the headline is that the SEC fined PricewaterhouseCoopers $7.9 million for auditor for audit firm independence violations. And before all the compliance officers zone out and say, no, that's, that's too geeky even for me, um, the the thing that caught my eye here, the, the real showstopper violation that tripped up PwC was Brandon Sprankle agreeing to provide a GRC software system to one of PwC's audit clients, uh, which is a big no-no in audit independence world. Uh, you can do certain things for audit clients. You cannot do other things. And one of the things you cannot do is design and implement a significant part of a company's financial reporting systems, uh, which is what happened here. It is fairly unusual, but it is a good uh, case study of exactly what uh, audit firms can or cannot provide to a company in assistance with compliance and internal control systems. And when you think about what the SEC is enforcing lately, look at all those FCPA enforcement actions that we see, um, a lot of them are around weak internal controls, and how would you beef those up? You would improve these very systems, 
so this is a good example of how an audit firm might do that, and then everybody gets tripped up because it's a violation of independence rules. So that's what happened here. That's why it's interesting. Let me just comment upon your summary, uh, and I really like the way uh, you've used the journalism phrase, here's the headline, because uh, that really, I don't think, gives the listener a flavor of what Mr. Sprankle did. And I found his actions, if not abhorrent, certainly antithetical to that of of an independent auditor, a compliance professional, or any of the people that we uh, uh, routinely uh, interact with. So you want to maybe go into that a little bit? Yes. All right. So let's start walking into the weeds here. Um, So here's what we know is that the company involved is a technology firm. I suspect it's in California because Brandon Sprankle was as well. Um, a tech firm that trades on the NASDAQ exchange known as issuer A in the, the settlement order. That's all we know. But in 2014, uh, issuer A was an audit client of PwC. Brandon Sprankle was in charge of that audit. And issuer A told Sprankle that they were looking for help with two separate IT projects. One was to design and implement an Oracle GRC software system. And the other was to upgrade its existing Oracle Enterprise Resource Planning software, which are those two different systems. They're interrelated, but they are separate. Um, So Sprankle told issuer A, we would love to bid on that job. Um, Then he provided what we might charitably say was misleading information to PwC's internal risk review committee, uh, which would check to make sure that these other sorts of engagements aren't a conflict uh, because the issuer A is an audit client. Um, So that he said the GRC project would only be to offer some high-level advice and observations, not to design and implement it. And the interesting thing here is the head of internal audit for issuer A even said, is this going to be an independence thing? Is this going to be a mess? And Sprankle said, nope, it's not. And then he gave a copy of the engagement letter back to the client, uh, which said we will provide some high-level observations. And that head of internal audit said, no, no, no. I need design and implement help. And in a phone call, Sprankle basically smoothed that over and said, we're going to do the design and implement. But the letter and what he told the risk committee at PwC was, this is just high-level observations. Uh, Big conflict. You're not supposed to do that. Um, It's worth debating why that is a big deal. Um, An audit firm cannot provide a management function for an audit client. So think about this, you know, designing and implementing internal controls is what the company management does. The audit committee oversees that the controls exist and they're appropriate, but management designs them, management decides what the controls are, management implements them, And then the audit firm comes along and tests those controls to make sure that they actually work and they're appropriate. And the whole point of an independent audit is that it is independent. There can't be any conflict of interest. The audit firm can't provide other sort of services like designing and implementing the internal controls that the audit firm would then wind up testing later on. Big, huge conflict shouldn't have happened, but Sprankle pulled these sleight of hand here to get it done. Um, so that was a big mess. Yeah. What do you got here? I I think you're being far too delicate, Matt. Uh, (laughs) this to me is one of the most glaring 
uh, failures of ethics that uh, I have seen since the last SEC against an accounting firm. Uh, he lied to, uh, intentionally lied to an oversight committee that was charged with reviewing potential conflicts. He knew there was a conflict. He misrepresented the facts to the uh, review committee. When the review committee called him out, he then changed the description to um, incorrectly state the scope of the engagement and resubmitted it uh, after having had substantive communications that you cite in your blog post out of the uh, SEC uh, settlement orders uh, where he understood that the scope of the engagement would be to substantially design and implement the system, not perform uh, simple high-level oversight. Uh, this seems to me to be a, a failure of ethics at the partnership level of the highest order. I, I will not dispute your harsher language with Mr. Sprankle, who certainly does not look good in any of these settlements here. Um, and it is worth talking about what he did with the other Oracle project that issuer A wanted. Um, they also needed help upgrading their system. So they, PwC, Sprankle came back and said, we'll give you a thousand hours of man, man hours of support on this. And the internal risk review, review committee said a thousand man hours is not a project. That is issuer A outsourcing its internal audit function to us, which we cannot do for an audit client. So then he again fabricated what he was going to do and decided this would be providing an audit service, which is not what the project was going to be about. But he flat out said, oh, we're just going to call it audit services. So therefore, it's not non-audit services. So we don't need a formal independence review. So there's no conflict. It's like he's doing these logistical wordplay games that did himself no favors and wound up um, getting PwC in trouble on both of those. Um, it's worth noting Full $7.9 million fine that PwC got were for a bunch of other audit violations as well with other clients. But what really stuck out to me and what's more relevant to compliance officers was this specific engagement with issuer A. They were looking for help with their internal controls and their compliance software. Um, it is perfectly reasonable to ask an audit firm to do that for you because they're very knowledgeable, but you can't ask the one that's actually auditing your books and testing your internal controls. Hats off to issuer A that they knew this might be a thing, but really Sprankle kind of stepped in it when he stretched the truth to the point of, you know, incredulity uh, to say that, you know, well, this won't be a violation because of this reason or that reason. Dude, you violated the rules. Everybody saw it. The emails that and the documentation that spilled out in the SEC investigation do not make this look good at all. But it's just it's worth discussion for all the other compliance officers out there because you're going to need help with these issues. You need to understand how much help you can get from your audit firm looking at your books as opposed to everybody else out there who's also going to try selling you follow on services and consulting. What does it say about an audit partner who's willing to lie, cheat and steal to uh, obtain a million-dollar assignment. What what does that say about their uh, ethical views or ethical malleability about audit questions? Uh, that is an excellent point. Uh, it's worth noting that Sprankle himself paid a $25,000 uh, fine to the SEC. 
I don't know exactly what Sprankle makes, and I'm sure 25 grand is a lot of money to anybody, but an audit partner, it is not at all unusual for that person to be making a million or more every year. How much is $25,000 actually going to sting? I'm not sure. Um, he cannot appear in front of the SEC for at least four years. That's probably a bit more painful. Um, and then the big question is whether or not he might lose his CPA license in the state of California, in which case he can't practice and do business. That's a big punch to the gut. I don't know what all of the repercussions might be for Sprankle. We do not know whether the PCAOB might weigh in on this issue as well, either for him or for PwC as a firm. Um, but like this does not look good for PwC. These are some pretty basic block and tackle things that the firm screwed up and Sprankle in particular, like he, he screwed it up. Um, so I, you know, I'm not going to cast any worse aspersions. Tom, you seem to be doing that in spades today. I'll let you keep on cracking at it. But it doesn't say anything good about him that he did this. He was He's 42 years old now. This happened five years ago. He previously probably had a very bright future in public accounting. That is considerably diminished now that he has this on his marks. I can't imagine PwC would uh, retain him as a partner after these actions as well. What does it say about PwC if they retain him as a, as a partner, albeit obviously in a role not representing companies or practicing for the SEC? I don't know. That is a good question. As of um, Monday, September 23rd, I could still find Mr. Sprankle listed as a partner on PwC's website. It took me about five seconds to Google his page on PwC. I have not asked PwC if they're going to fire him or demote him or anything like that. Um, and frankly, even if he did leave the firm and he wasn't in public accounting anymore, like if you're good at an Oracle GRC system, there's still plenty of consulting operations out there that need good Oracle people because Oracle's not easy to set up. Um, so I don't know what this says about his career overall, but his career with PwC, like I said, I think that is uh, considerably tarnished. Um, there are some bigger questions that uh, you might want to ponder about how does PwC oversee the ethical conduct of its partners. Um, audit firms, especially the big four, are supposed to take this very seriously and have very good quality controls. Um, the PA, PCAOB has said when it is inspecting audit firms these days, it is paying more attention to quality controls not necessarily your expertise in any specific accounting subject. Um, but nonetheless, like it, there was a failure of quality control here, and it led to this action. So I don't know about that. Um, but that's more for if you are an audit firm, audit industry junkie. If you're a compliance junkie who's interested in setting up good internal controls, there's a different set of questions to ponder about how you might you know, fall into this mess. I do not think issuer A is going to have any specific repercussions, but at the least, I'm sure issuer A's legal department is not happy that it got sucked into a SEC enforcement action because of the duplicity of, an, of its audit firm. Um, that might be something that could happen to you, but uh, just some interesting points to ponder as you're trying to grapple with your GRC software systems. It seems like I cut you off as you were about to uh, talk to us a little bit about what the compliance practitioner needed to to draw from this case. Uh, in your blog post, you give GRC lessons to learn. Do those same lessons poured over to the compliance function as well? 
Well, it kind of depends on how your own company defines compliance. Um, there are some very large companies where the ethics and compliance function is probably separate from the internal controls and financial compliance function. Um, so if you're in charge of whistleblower hotlines and investigating anti-bribery or doing training or whatnot, that's one set of compliance. But if you are at all in charge of Sarbanes-Oxley compliance, or you have to think about accounting and internal controls as they might cause you headache in anti-bribery enforcement actions, then you might want to think about, well, where do we find the right help for this? Um, you know, when you look at all of those enforcement actions from the SEC that we've seen lately, um, Juniper Networks, Sanofi the other year, uh, some of the others that have come along, they're all about weak accounting policies that therefore lead to an enforcement action. So if those need to be strengthened, you're probably going to wind up working with your internal control team. They are probably going to revisit the systems they use to manage their internal controls, and you're probably going to need some help. I'm not saying PwC and Sprankle couldn't do a good job, but they can't do the job at all if you are an audit firm client of PwC. Um, if you're a non-audit client, then yeah, sure, you can use any firm you want. But uh, for these particular issues, it just shows how perilous you, have to, you can be if you're dealing with your audit firm, a different firm, your internal audit function, the internal controls you're testing, maybe the ethics and compliance function has got one foot in this but not both feet. Like There's a lot of moving parts, and you have to be aware of who can do what services before – you step into something you'd rather wish you didn't step in. Well, Matt, this has been a fascinating uh, case study on a lot of issues. As you can tell, I've focused a bit more on the ethical implications of this, but I was wondering if you might uh, give us a quick minute or two wrap-up, which would make a nice clip. Well, sure. I think the uh, the big story here is that a PwC audit partner really stretched the truth to the breaking point, trying to win a lucrative engagement um, by saying that they could help an audit client with GRC software designing and building it. And you can't do that if you are an audit firm working with an audit client. Um, designing and implementing controls is something management does. Audit firms test it. So if your audit firm tells you they can help with that, no, they can't. Uh, you have to tread very carefully with what audit firms can or cannot provide you for extra help with your compliance program. Well, Matt, this has been a fascinating uh, case study, and I look forward to seeing what next week brings us. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please give us a review on uh, Apple on the iTunes channel. Uh, it would certainly help our ratings and rankings for this most unique podcast in the compliance space. I hope you will join Matt and I and the rest of the Everything Compliance gang for our first live podcast recording, which will be next week in Denver at Converge 19. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.